Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you could choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash 48 hours. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Welcome to 48 Hours Postmortem, where we discuss your biggest questions coming out of each new 48 Hours episode. I'm CBS News anchor and 48 Hours correspondent Anne-Marie Green. Now, you've probably just watched or listened to The Journals of Maria Munoz. And today, I'm joined by longtime 48 Hours correspondent Aaron Moriarty, again, along with producer Marcy Spencer for an inside look at what it was like to report on this case. Welcome, Aaron Marcy. Great to be back. Hi, Anne-Marie. I'm happy to be here. Do you always have to put the long time Correspondent that I've been here a long time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but then let me point out that this case did stand out to me. Mm-hmm. This is an unusual case, and it's one of those that has just stayed with me. So I'm thrilled to talk about this today. Okay. We're going to get into it. Um, we want to talk about what makes this case unique, uh, the possible motive, the evidence. But first, a little background on the case. In the early morning hours of September 22nd, 2020, Laredo police officer Gregoria de la Cruz responded to an emergency call at a home on Canyon Oak Drive. Joao Peyote, dressed in teal surgical scrubs, was performing CPR on his 31-year-old wife and stay-at-home mom, Maria Munoz. She was warm. She was still warm to the touch. Howell, a nurse anesthetist, had told the 911 operator that he found his wife unresponsive and that she may have taken pills. Clonazepam, a drug often used to treat anxiety. She's been super depressed. Maria, who had been prescribed medication, was seeking help through the church. She was also writing in journals. I don't want to be sad anymore. I don't want my heart to hurt. I don't want my mind to be in torture. After Maria Munoz died, an autopsy was done. No pill residue from clonazepam was found in her system, 
but a toxicology report would later reveal the presence of seven other drugs, mostly used for surgery. Sergeant Luis Mata. So positive for morphine, Demerol, Versant, Propofol, ketamine, lidocaine, Narcan. A team of prosecutors led by attorney Maricela Jackman was assigned to the case. It was enough medication to survive two major surgeries. It was so much. Was Maria's death a suicide, an accident, or murder? Authorities turned to her journals for help. How crucial were those journals? Very. So, Aaron, you've been at this for over 30 years. Yes, you were a longtime correspondent. You should own that. But how is this case different from other crimes you've covered? Well, one of the major things is the weapon. If the prosecutors are correct and they believe that she was murdered, um, the weapon was unusual. Uh, a combination of drugs that are normally used in surgeries. Um, I, I've never worked on a case where this many drugs were involved and drugs that we don't get from the pharmacy. These are drugs that you would get in a hospital. Another thing that was really interesting is that this individual might have gotten away with murder, if not for his colleagues, um, because Maria's husband told police, look, she took these pills. I found them here. And he was an expert, but it was his colleagues who warned police, you know what, take a deeper dive, you know, take a look, get a real toxicology screen. And that's how they discovered these drugs and not just medications, but these medications that are normally used in surgery. The medical examiner did not initially rule this a homicide. Couldn't, because even though the medical examiner did not think that Maria had taken her own life, there was no way of knowing whether she had taken these medications early on. All the medical examiner knew initially was that there was mixed drug intoxication, did not know how she got those drugs in her system. So, you know, that's why it was a big mystery. So let's talk about propofol. Uh, it's probably most associated with the deaths of Michael Jackson. I've had propofol before for a minor medical procedure, and it's a very powerful sedative. You don't even remember falling asleep. You just remember waking up. The average person does not have access to this drug. Now, there are cases where people use propofol and they take their lives with it. But in this case, the little needle point for the IV in Maria's arm was in her right arm and she's right-handed. That made it less likely that she did it to herself. Mm. Very unusual. It would be very difficult to, you know, put an IV in your, if you're right-handed, to put it in your right arm. You think about it, that would be really difficult to do. Mm -hmm. But um, if someone else is doing it, that might be a little easier. Mm -hmm. Now, when police first arrived on the scene, they didn't know if they were dealing with a suicide, an accidental overdose, or if Joel was somehow involved. It's a very chaotic scene. They see a woman laying on the floor, unconscious. Uh, the husband is trying to give her CPR. And um, the first officer on the scene noticed that Joel Peyote was wearing scrubs and said, this guy can probably do better CPR than I can. Mm. And I think Joel Peyote, when you think about it, thought everybody's just going to take my word for it. She mm -hmm. took pills, end of story. But they didn't. And the officer on the scene asks, what'd she take? Where are the drugs? And Joel gets up, 
goes into the bathroom, goes into the medicine cabinet, comes back, and shows the officer a bottle of pills. It's a bottle of pills of clonazepam, which are prescribed to him, not her. And his behavior seemed unusual to investigators. Is it me, or did he just not seem as upset as you would expect him to be? I agree with you, Anne-Marie, but I kept thinking he is a medical professional, so he is used to emergencies. So I kept thinking that's not really the part that bothers um, investigators. I think it's the fact that normally when there is some kind of overdose, the medication's right there, and it's not. In this case, Hawal Peyote had to go up and get the, the bottle of pills that he thought his wife had taken. That was weird. That was weird. Howell tells the police uh, that he's a private man and, you know, he doesn't want people to search the home, doesn't want anyone searching the home. He also told police that he and his wife had had sex and he took a shower. But then we heard from Sergeant Luis Mata. I want to play some of that sound. When a common person showers, what's going to be in the bathroom? Steam, condensation, the smell of soap or shampoo. That master bedroom shower, which is the one that he alleged he used, was as dry as a desert. I mean, I don't know if he thought this whole thing out. I clearly didn't. No, (laughs) that would be so obvious. There was another thing that was actually very unusual is that O.L. Peyote said that he had found his wife in the bed unconscious. And when first responders arrived, her body's in the foyer. And so anyone who's Um, had any experience where they've had to administer CPR, you immediately, if someone's in a bed, you put them on the floor right next to the bed. You don't move them several feet from the bed. I mean, it's a chaotic scene, but they found that very odd. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, by the way, I had talked about how I didn't think he was very emotional until I saw his reaction at the police station in the interview room where suddenly he becomes incredibly emotional and compared to his behavior at the house, I just, for me as a viewer, I thought something's off. Here's Sergeant Luis Mata again. I could see him through my camera. Everything's there is recorded. (laughs) He's hitting walls. He's moving furniture. It was scaring some of the people down the hall in the dispatch room. So that's how loud it was. And I'm sure those people in the dispatch room have seen a lot of odd behavior in the interview room. If it's scaring them, it must have been sort of out of the ordinary, even under the circumstances. It might have just occurred to him that he didn't cover his tracks well enough. He might have been more upset about himself. We don't know what was making him upset. Right. Um, During the police interview, Hoel was asked about a syringe wrapper and a catheter left on the stairs of the house. Hoel told the police that they were used for when he took steroids. Yeah, he was enhancing his physique. And so, yes, he admitted to taking steroids. I mean, that was actually part of this story. He had been very devoted to his wife and and his first son, because this was at a time before his second son was born. And then he suddenly changed. And that that included um, the use of steroids. That's what most of his friends thought. Um, Joella Maria had an elaborate security system as well? Very elaborate security system. Um, They had cameras everywhere in this house, including cameras in the closets. And that footage disappeared. Really? 
But even though it disappeared, it picked up movement. Mm-hmm. And that was that was important in this investigation too. If anybody has a security system, they usually get alerts on their phones if there's motion in the home. And the uh, motion sensor was going off between the upstairs and the garage. And this went off several times between the hours of 9.30 at night and 1.32 in the morning, which is when Hoel Peo called 911. Did Hoel have an explanation for that movement? It's an odd thing to do, go back and forth between the upstairs and the garage. No, he did not have any sort of explanation for that. But certainly um, that was one of the things that definitely the... um, Law enforcement was very curious about. What did they think? Getting rid of any evidence? You know, why wasn't there more? Why was there so much movement in the house? And why wasn't there more? Like if, in fact, she had propofol in her system, where was that IV and IV system? You know, where was it? So, um, you know, he was, uh, and we'll talk about that, but he was later charged with... um, tampering with evidence. Okay, so when we come back, we're going to talk about the possible motive and then the other things that made this case really stand out. The all-female prosecution. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year, with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Bite. Welcome back to Postmortem. I'm here with correspondent Aaron Moriarty and producer Marcy Spencer. So let's talk about the motive. Uh, Hoel was seeing another woman, Janet, while married to Maria, and there was talk of divorce. Janet says Hoel had been living with her for five months, and Maria did confront both of them shortly before her death. We actually saw that video. Well, and to me, he had the best of both worlds because he took his his girlfriend on two European trips, and um, but then also took Maria on a great trip. So it was at that time, though, right before her death, where I think it seemed that Maria was really becoming serious about, okay, you're either in or you're out, and I'm going to go for a divorce. And prosecutors believe that the motive was the fact that even though Howell was making a lot of money, 
um, he would have to split his assets and, uh, you know, they're two kids and, um, and he didn't want to do that. Unbelievable. I want to go back to the propofol. Why did prosecutors think Howell used this drug? Of all the choices, why this drug? Well, it's interesting. Prosecutors believe that um, it was a kind way of killing her. And and it is. Anyone who's had propofol, it's, uh, you know, a very gentle way to go into sleep. I think that was probably one of the hardest things to hear Mm -hmm. um, in this case, is that it was a kind way of killing her. Mm Mm-hmm. Can we talk about this prosecution team, right? They're made up entirely of women. Um, There's that amazing shot of them walking down the hall together and they look like this dream team. I am Karina Rios. My name is Ana Karen Garza. My name is Cristal Calderon. We are Maria's team. Okay, I love that they refer to themselves as Maria's team. Absolutely. It's so funny. When we first got this story, I started looking at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're all female prosecutors. Not only were all the prosecutors women, but um, their support staff, all women. And I said, Aaron, (laughs) this is how we're going to do this story. We're going to interview all four of these women. Well, I was worried. Oh my gosh. They, no one will have enough time to talk, but they were all, they work so well in concert and it actually was a really fun, interesting interview. But I have to admit, Marcy would tell you, I did object when I heard I had four prosecutors to interview. Um, yeah, because lawyers can can, they, can be verbose. <laughs> um, but what you get from listening to them all is that this was not just another case for them, not just another victim for them. It, it they I felt like they were doing what I was doing watching the hour, which was identifying with Maria. I, you know, I think many women can think about that one person, that one guy that you dated, that you wanted to be something that he wasn't. And you were hanging on to hope that he would be nicer, as nice as he was when you first started dating or more committed or, and at some point you just go, oh, He's never going to be that person because he never was. And I felt like those women, they connected with Maria in a way that a woman connects with another woman. Am I making any sense? You are. And they were speaking for her. They were. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think every woman knows someone like Maria or has met someone like Maria in their life. And they did connect with her. Yeah. Um, Erin, you know, you mentioned in the broadcast that the 48 Hours team, of course, made several interview requests to speak to Howell's defense team. Not even to him, but at least to the defense team, never received a response. Meanwhile, Howell declined, obviously, to sit down and have an interview as well. It, it was a big disappointment. We, we definitely wanted to hear because... At trial, his defense was that he didn't intend to kill her. He admitted that he did inject her. He said to calm her down that when he had gone there to have this heart-to-heart that the two of them planned, that she became upset and he calmed her down, but that that he actually tried to save her. If you look at the list of drugs, there was also Narcan. There were a lot of questions we had, and unfortunately, we didn't get those answers. Mm-hmm. Um, so the jury was very quick to come back with a verdict, right? In this case, Hoel was found guilty of murdering Maria and tampering with the evidence. He was sentenced to life in prison. Their two children are now living with Hoel's mother. Yeah, so Maria's uh, sister and Maria's father both live in Puerto Rico. Okay. And so, um, yeah, I think that custody situation is complicated. Yeah, that's got to be tough on all 
of the people involved. Erin, you know, you noted at the end, um, perhaps the most important witness in the case ended up being Maria herself because of her journals. Absolutely. And you know what? How often do we get to hear the voice of the victim? Uh, Maria got a lot of, um, you know, I guess, consolation from writing in her diary, her journals. And she wrote all the way up to almost till when she died. And so you you heard how sad she was, but you also heard hope. She was ready to turn the corner and go on and find out who she was and raise those two kids with or without how well. And so, and the jury could hear that. Mm. And that's one of the reasons why the medical examiner ruled out a suicide because of that journal. So in the end, Maria did, if you want to say got the last words, she did. Um, I want to play a clip from uh, District Attorney uh, Maricela Jackman. She's reading Maria's words. I want a life that's mine, different and unique. A life that's balanced with every emotion, but a happy, fulfilling life. So there you go. And as you point out, um, this is part of the reason why the medical examiner said it's unlikely it's a suicide. This is a woman who is looking forward to the future in some way. Uh, Marcy, you know, you also kind of felt connected to her. Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, reading her journals, you definitely learn about someone that you've never met before. But I will say that um, very early on in this story, I did dream about Maria. Normally, I don't dream about someone, but she she definitely creeped up in my dreams just because I wondered, did you know what was happening? Did you feel yourself getting drowsy? It was one of those things that I think was very haunting about this. But there were many otherworldly things that happened. Like what? Um, my Our colleague, Iris Carreras, who um, was very instrumental in this project, uh, she was out <laughs> in Laredo grabbing a cup of coffee. And when she got her coffee, she also got a little cookie. And the name Maria was on the cookie. Hmm. And we thought, okay, this is interesting. Maybe it's a coincidence, but an interesting sign. And actually when they were out shooting um, and they were in front of the girlfriend's house, O.L.'s girlfriend's house, the lights were flickering off and on, off and on. So, we talk about it a little bit, but we kind of wonder. Mm. And I just wonder with the prosecutors, with Aaron, with Iris, with myself, if somehow Maria was sort of sending this message to all of us. Tell my story. Oh, you're giving me chills. You're giving me chills. Wow. Um, it's a heck of a case. And you made Maria's voice all the more prominent in it. You really feel like you knew and liked her. I thought it was excellent. Erin, um, Marcy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. For all of you listening, be sure to join us next Tuesday for another postmortem. And make sure you watch 48 Hours, Saturdays, 10, 9 Central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And if you are liking the show, please rate and review 48 Hours on Apple Podcasts and follow 48 Hours wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen ad-free on the Amazon Music and Wondery app or with a 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the 48 Hours podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.
or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.